Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Everything that we want is still in front of us. So, um, again, you don't, you know, you wish you were 8 0 at this point. You wish you were 7 1. You wish you were 6 2. And that's the reality of it is we're 5 3. But we're going to continue to take it one, one game at a time. And we got Sunday night next week against a really good Bengals team. So we got to be ready for them. That's Bills quarterback Josh Allen. Welcome back. Sports Talk Saturday live from Batavia Downs at the Legends and Stars Sports Expo. My man Ryan has an hour sitting down next to me. Uh, hour one uh, of this show in the books and uh, hour one of Legends and Sports, uh, Legends and Stars Sports Expo in the books as well, Ryan. Yes. Uh, so we've seen Bob Lilly and Randy White. They're walking off the stage here uh, if they haven't already. We've got Anthony Miller, Ray Bork. Uh, Anthony will be on stage till 1230, so another half hour for him. Ray Bork uh, just walked up on stage at noon. He'll be here till 1 o'clock signing autographs. And then Larry Center's up there as well from 12 to 1. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned some of the stuff you had at your table. Uh, I know I haven't really, you know, I kind of walked in, set up, and started doing the show, so I didn't get a really good chance to walk much of the floor. I know you got some good uh, apparel lined up over there for any Rangers fans. I know, I know yeah, Rangers yeah, yeah, fans. Yeah. There's some figurines <laughs> that you've got over at your table. Uh, any other things that stood out to you on the floor today? So, you know, my buddy actually just came back. He was all excited. He got himself a, a Zach Benson rookie Ooh. autograph. So he, uh, he talked to a guy. The guy held firm on the price, but my friend was uh, happy to pay it because he's, uh, he's invested, and that's what he wants to do. So uh, he thinks Zach Benson's going to do well, so he got that autographed um, card. And, you know, that's the thing, man, is that with all every year, right, there's new rookies to look at. There's new people that uh, you want to start to collect. So we're seeing that uh, on, the on the floor. I almost said gaming floor. On the yeah, show uh -huh, floor. Yeah. I'm so used to saying gaming floor because the casino. Uh, but, yeah, we've got uh, – there's a lot of people selling those cards, those rookie cards. There's this really cool framed photo. It might have sold already, but it's got the workhorse from Whitehorse. Dylan Cousins. It's really, really sweet. That's right in the middle of the, of the floor. There's a framing guy here. So there's not just – by the way, I should mention, there's people selling merch, right? Everybody's selling merch, yeah. cards, helmets, bats, balls, the whole thing. <laughs> JSA is here. We'll certify things. So if you've got something autographed – They'll take it, certify it. you got to pay a fee, of course, but you'll have a certification. So if you decide to sell it, you'll have a certificate of authenticity on it. So those guys are here today. And the, nice. frame, the framing guy's here, and my buddy who's at my table right now, he uh, has brought many things for this guy to frame uh, and has them all over his basement. And, uh, you know, if you've got something you want to get framed, perhaps the, the quarterback we just heard talking there, you got yourself a nice uh, Josh Allen autograph deal, uh, you know, you can get that framed. So. so it's more than just uh, stuff to buy on the floor. That's right. Uh, love that you can get your stuff uh, authenticated right here on the floor. And as we mentioned earlier, Vladimir Guerrero Sr., he, he hops on stage at 1 o'clock. we got a bunch, a bunch of former uh, Buffalo football players, including Cornelius Bennett at 1.30, Shane Conlon 2.30, and Shane will be, uh, will be joined with uh, his cohort, Daryl Talley, at 2.30 uh, to 3.30 as well. And then, of course, Rangers great Mike Richter shares, uh, shares the stage with no one from 3 to 4 o'clock. He'll Listen, be up there solo. He's the marquee guy, right? I've already seen a lot of Rangers fans. The Cowboys fans are gone, you know, mostly. They're still running So don't worry. There. So now oh, the Cowboys right. fans are gone. Bills I'm fans can walk I'm in. I'm still now. trying to sell a, a twin bedsheet set with Cowboys logos all over it at my booth. Uh, but but we've, got, uh, we've got all the Cowboys fans and Rangers fans running around. But I see the Bills mafia. They're here for their, for their 90s Bills. They're around. 
I got a lot of people checking in, uh, you know, the power of social media. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of people that are checking in here. So shout out to the Garrigan family in Hamburg mm. for checking in with me and saying they were listening in. You know, a lot of fans of Sports Talk Saturday, Nate. Of course. A lot of fans. Of course. So uh, thanks to uh, Jennifer and, and her family for listening in today. But, yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited. You got your chicken fingers on the way. Oh, yeah. The world-famous Batavia Downs chicken fingers That's right here. 34 Rush, you know, uh, as you mentioned at the top of the hour when we you joined us here at 11, we've got uh, Thurman Sports Bar. You know, Thurman's uh, running around uh, Western New York, all over the place. I see him on social, him and his wife, Patty, doing a lot of great uh, charitable work locally. And uh, his sports bar, of course, is here at the Little Bat Blue Zone. So you can check out all the games on. I see uh, A&M. I see uh, we got Kansas and uh, somebody going on right now on the TVs in front of us. So, yeah, we got yeah. Oklahoma, Kansas, uh, A&M, and South Carolina. Uh, so some good matchups of college football here as well. I see over here on the other TV an ACC matchup, Florida State, Wake Forest. We've got mm. some soccer on. We've got some uh, Indiana, Penn State that just got underway as well. The beauty about this part back here is you want to come and get some autographs. You don't have to miss one second of college football there. Right. I, yeah. I, I'm losing count of how many TVs. I think there's probably some that I can't see right. uh, over here as well. So plenty of TVs. Uh, you mentioned it, uh, 34 Rush, Thurman Sports Bar here as well. You can make an afternoon of this. It doesn't just have to be coming to Batavia Downs, getting your autographs and going home. There's places to eat here. You can head to the gaming floor. Um, and, again, kids under 12, 12 and under, get in free. Right. And it's $10 to enter the, uh, the, the show floor here, but you get $10 back in free gaming as well. So it's basically a free ticket here right. uh, to the Legends in Sports, uh, Legends Star Sports Expo. And so we're going to be done at 5 o'clock today. So, uh, you know, it, there's plenty of time for you to come on out and enjoy it. You know, with being so dreary out today, come on out and see these uh, stars and legends and do some shopping. For those of you, uh, there's Pokemon cards. You know, there's Yu-Gi-Oh cards. There's people selling all kinds of other non-sports memorabilia as well. Uh, so we got that as well. And then tonight, live racing's here at 5 o'clock. Nice. So you if you're a fan of the ponies, we've got the harness racing. That begins at 6, but doors open at that at 5 o'clock. We're going to do a little switcheroo here up here, Nate. As soon as uh, Mike Richter is done for all his adoring fans, uh, we're going to go ahead and flip this area where we are, um, where the autographs are taking place, back to the live racing things for all of our live racing fans to come on out for those races so they can watch horse racing on all these TVs. Nice. And, uh, you know, get ready. And next weekend's the Breeders' Cup. So we've got uh, right. lots of stuff going on. For those of you that are horse racing fans, you can you know bet online at Batavia Bets, which is our online platform, and uh, get ready for uh, we've got a wine festival next week too, by the way. We're going to be uh, welcoming in people. Buffalo plays Cincinnati, of course, at 8 o'clock at night on Sunday. That's right. But from 1 till 3.30 next Sunday, you can come on out. A little pregame in here. A little pregame action. At the Bacchus Wine Festival uh, at Batavia Downs. we got that going on next week. So. That's awesome. So, yeah, there you go. you got some pregame plans here at Batavia Downs. Just a short 30-minute drive, uh, especially from Amherst. It might be even a little shorter from the station. Uh, I know it didn't take me too long to get here uh, from the radio station. And about, what, 40 minutes from Hamburg. Uh, a nice, easy drive. 30 minutes from Rochester. It's right exactly square in the middle between Rochester and Buffalo, folks. So make sure you get down here today until 5 o'clock for the Legends and Stars Sports Expo. Ryan, appreciate you, buddy. We'll yeah, uh, have you man. on in the uh, 1 o'clock hour, set the stage for um, what should be a great 1 o'clock hour on stage as well. Absolutely. Thanks, Nate. My pleasure. Ryan Hasenauer there of Batavia Downs joining me here on Sports Talk Saturday. So we had <clears throat> Aaron Quinn uh, on last half hour to talk a little bit about uh, this, the news today of ESPN's Jeremy Fowler talking about the Bills looking to trade cornerback uh, Kyer Elam, uh, who was a healthy scratch on Thursday night in lieu of Josh Norman, uh, the 35-year-old veteran who's played a lot of football in the league, um, played a lot of special team snaps, had two tackles and five special team snaps, and big tackles. 
tackles on that Thursday night primetime game. Um, so we'll we'll kind of see over the next couple of days as the trade deadline nears next week. Um, it'll be interesting to see if a move is made, if the Bills are able to swap Kyrie Elam for whether it's a draft pick or another player. Um, it looks like the Tennessee Titans are a team right now that are uh, sort of selling the farm, looking to move on from players. Um, I think a lot of eyes are on Derrick Henry. A lot of eyes are on DeAndre Hopkins over the next couple of days. But there are some more players there in Tennessee too, including cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting, a free agent signing um, for Tennessee this offseason that could be on the move as well. So something to keep an eye on as the league uh, moves into one of the more exciting weeks of the season when it's trade deadline time. Although the NFL is definitely not like the NBA or the NHL uh, where, where moves come fast and furious during the trade deadline. So maybe temper the expectations a little bit, but a trade uh, already last week um, for Tennessee, getting rid of uh, their, their really longtime all-pro safety, Kevin Byard, who uh, moves, I think, for a fifth or sixth round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles, who solidified that defensive backfield after losing uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson this offseason to Detroit. So uh, really solidifying that, uh, that secondary for Philadelphia. And, and again, I, I think there's moves fast and furious coming for Tennessee, who I think is looking to sell off some pieces as they look to rebuild. They're going to have no Ryan Tannehill this weekend. Um, that means Will Levis, their, their second-round pick this last uh, draft in April, will make his uh, NFL debut. It at least is being talked about that he'll be making his NFL debut. Uh, so something to keep an eye on there in Tennessee. But I think for me... You know, I think a lot of the eyes are, are going to Derrick Henry. Uh, for whatever reason, the Bills are continually <laughs> and always sort of uh, uh, matched up or, or talked about as, uh, as options for the Bills. Uh, I don't believe the Bills will be in on Derrick Henry. I do believe, though, Derrick Henry, if he has moved a team like the Baltimore Ravens, have uh, been talked a lot about as a team that makes a lot of sense. And, boy, could that Baltimore offense uh, be any scarier if they added a Derrick Henry. That would certainly make for some scary, scary offense there in Baltimore, especially after the performance they put on last week against the Detroit Lions in a rout of the Lions. I think it was 35-6 to was the final in that game. 28 uh, nothing at halftime. That Baltimore Ravens offense, Lamar Jackson playing really good football. Um, and uh, I think the move away from, from Greg Roman is really starting to, uh, to pay dividends there in Baltimore. And they're a team like the Bills with lots of injuries, a couple of guys that they've lost for the season. Marlon Humphrey's still on the men's. Um, so they, they've got some some pieces that they're going to be getting back from injury this year, and that offense continues to get better. They It would not surprise me at all if the Baltimore Ravens end up winning the AFC North after starting uh, with a couple of disappointing losses earlier this year. They really look like a team right now in the AFC that's that's moving into position to be one of those teams, and we'll see. I mean, obviously the Bills are going to have um, the Cincinnati Bengals on the docket next um, when they face off on Sunday Night Football next week, so it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how the, how the Ravens can continue um at least in my um it'll be interesting to see if the ravens can sort of hold off the Bengals uh right now because the Bengals are a team that started the year again joe burrow injured his calf during training camp and he certainly was not the same um at all when when he um you know, when he had that injury and maybe came back a little too early and, and really just did not look like the same player that I think the, that everyone in the league is accustomed to seeing. So if they can get him back healthy, they've got that trio of receivers with Boyd and Chase and T. Higgins. T. Higgins another guy that really has started the season pretty slow uh, for the Bengals. And, and I think that's a Bengals team also, by the way, that really misses their two all-pro safeties uh, in Von Bell and um, – Von Bell, who's, who's the other safety that I'm trying to think of here? Uh, 
Jesse Bates, uh, the two safeties in Cincinnati that left in free agency this year. Jesse Bates goes and signs with the Atlanta Falcons uh, and Von Bell in Carolina. So, uh, you know, I think for me, uh, that's a Cincinnati Bengals team that's still kind of learning uh, with some of the losses. They got Dax Hill, the the, the corner slash safety out of Michigan, that was taken uh, just a couple of picks after Kyer Elam was taken. Really fitting in, starting to fit in nicely at that starting safety position um, where Jesse Bates had been playing. So we'll see over the next couple of weeks what it looks like um, about this Cincinnati Bengals team. That's I think again kind of finding its way. And the and listen, the Pittsburgh Steelers are four and two, and they may not have won a lot of um, pretty ones, but they're winning ugly. A lot like the like they have in in the uh, Mike Tomlin era so the Pittsburgh Steelers are another team that I'm looking at here in the AFC and you know that's a loaded division right now maybe no real true um, you know obviously Cleveland might have the best defense in football but the Deshaun Watson situation is a you know listen up maybe it's some karma but a nightmare there in Cleveland right now they just you know he's comes in last week after missing a couple weeks due to a shoulder injury and he's not playing again this week a lot of conversations around should they trade for Jacoby Brissett you know the the guy that was that played in place of Deshaun Watson last year while he was on his suspension that played really good football for them the backup right now in Washington behind Sam Howell so that could be a trade that we see in the NFL is uh you know Jacoby Brissett either going back to the Cleveland or or another team that might be looking to add a quarterback during the during the trade deadline here so stuff to kind of to pay attention to in the AFC North um but yeah, this this conversation around Kyrie Elam is, as I think, the the most interesting one for the Buffalo Bills right now because this is a team that you know maybe hasn't had the best success drafting, especially in the first round the last couple of years. Greg Rousseau, I think, really kind of coming into his own the the draft pick the year before Kyrie Elam in 2021. Um, I think really establishing himself as this team's anchor on the edge. He you know it may the sack numbers aren't there, but the pressure numbers are there. He's a guy that you can really rely on in the run game to be one of your best run uh, your edge setting defender and, and give them on the other side guys like Von Miller and, and Leonard Floyd opportunities uh, to really get after the passer so um, you know that that's been a good pick for them and obviously Terrell Bernard has been a pretty remarkable um, I think story this year after not really you know last year um, Tremaine Edmonds gets injured in the in the first half of that Minnesota game, he gets the start the next week against the Jets, and then ends up getting pulled at halftime for uh, for Tyrell Dotson. And he has been one of the most solid and consistent players on this defense really all season long. A really great start to the season for Terrell Bernard, and then obviously the injury to to Matt Milano has forced them to to see a little bit of Dorian Williams, a guy that maybe wasn't really ready to be in that position. And then obviously you talk about Christian Benford, who. You know, is Drake taken out, uh, in the sixth round out of Villanova and immediately comes in and takes the a starting spot away from their first round pick and Kyrie Elam, a guy they traded up for. So, you know, I, I do think that the the Benford pick hitting uh, does alleviate some of the the pain of missing so badly um, on uh, Kyrie Elam, but it, it's tough to overstate just how difficult this has been. I think as a Bills fan, you know, having this team. In a Super Bowl window, miss on a first-round pick, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, you when you're the Chiefs and you're the Bills and you're the Bengals um, and you're these teams with great franchise quarterbacks, um, your margin for error in the first round becomes smaller and smaller because you're not picking uh, high. You're not picking in the teens. You're picking in the late 20s and early 30s. And when that happens, um, you aren't, you know, your, your scouting department becomes that much more important. It becomes that much more difficult to find those gems uh, when you're not drafting high in these drafts. So, you know, for the Bills moving forward, um, this is going to be a tough pill to 
swallow, but I think trading him and getting what you can, whether it's swapping a player and maybe a corner or an interior defensive lineman or, or just simply getting picks, um, I think this Kyer Elam trade is, is certainly on the horizon, and according to Jeremy Fowler, um, is definitely a name that uh, – that that's been garnering some interest around the league. Maybe not whether that's the Bills reporting that or saying that, or um, you know, at this point, um, teams actually interested in Kyrie Elam. He has some good tape from last year. This is not a player that's been completely, um, you know, for lack of a better word, useless in their system. He played meaningful football last year and played well um, when given the opportunity to play. So um, you know, I think teams that are going to be man-heavy teams, whether it's Washington, maybe the New York Giants, who. You know, well, what they weren't here. It wouldn't be Joe Shane and Brian Dable here when they drafted them. That was their first year last year in New York. But if they're a, a man-heavy team, a man-heavy scheme on the defensive side of the ball, um, I could see a team looking at maybe a reclamation project than Kyer Elam. So something to keep an eye on here as we enter into trade deadline week. All right, I'm live here at the Legends and Star Sports Expo at Batavia Downs Gaming and Raceway. I'm Nate Geary. This is Sports Talk Saturday. Matt Perino joins the program next. We'll talk more about Kyer Elam and much, much more. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I mean, you just continue to get better. I mean, there's stuff to learn throughout the entire game, whether it's a, you know, three and out or whether it's a 17-play drive, you know. And, you know, we're 5-3 and three right now with a lot of games left to play. So, you know, we're going to come in tomorrow, watch the tape, correct it, learn from it. And, uh, you know, we're going to enjoy this this weekend, this time off that we have and get refreshed and, and healthy and, uh, you know, be ready to roll coming, coming off this week. That's Bill's safety and Captain Jordan Poyer. Welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday. I'm live. Nate Geary here, live from Batavia Downs at the Legends and Stars Sports Expo. And joining me now on the Western Hotline, my buddy Matt Perino of Syracuse.com, who joins us here, Bill's Beat reporter. Matt, uh, good afternoon to you, my friend. How was basketball today? Hopefully a, a big win on the board for uh, for the Sun. Uh, it, was, it was just our second practice. Uh, oh, practice, you okay. know, yeah, we're working out uh, some early season uh, kinks, and uh, we'll sure. see where we are in about a month here. Love it, love it. Uh, so, Matt, listen, I, I wanted to start with, uh, <clears throat> I guess, not really breaking news. Uh, breaking would be would mean that we were surprised by it. But uh, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN about an hour ago tweeting out reporting uh, two names to watch in the AFC East that could be moved. The the Patriots, Josh Uche, their pass rusher, their pass rusher, and uh, Bills corner Kyer Elam. I, you know, you and I have talked a little bit. Um, I would actually say a lot of it over the last couple of months, really dating back um, to training camp about kind of the. I don't know, awkwardness and, and sort of weird situation that, that has been Kyer Elam. Uh, you know, if this ultimately comes to a head and, and he is traded, I guess to me, Matt, what this would speak to is this is a team right now that already lost its top corner for the season. If they trade Kyer Elam, they are down to basically Dane Jackson and Christian Benford. If injury happens, God forbid, um, you know, having Josh Norman having to play meaningful downs, you have to be really down on Kyer Elam, I guess, to sacrifice the potential depth at the cornerback position where you're already hurting a little bit. I mean, 
tell try I get try to make this make sense to me a little bit short of you're just trying to cut bait but I, I think you're sacrificing potential depth issues if another injury arises you know I think that the, we've always been on this path when we got when you get to a second season and you had a whole off season to recalibrate things for your former first round pick and you get to the first game and you can't even get him a jersey on game day I I just I wonder and listen they, they've had a lot of success this coaching staff this regime um, and, and this is an isolated situation. But I can't imagine being Kyer Elam in that locker room, watching Spencer Brown, a third-round draft pick over the last couple of years, go out there and really struggle at times and watch the way that he was able to go out there and figure things out uh, to a point this season where I think he's been really solid. Um, and looking at your own situation, and sure, there are issues – um, in, for, from a scheme perspective, of course. Like, this was always going to be a project, trying to figure out – they're trying to, to fit uh, a, a square peg into a round hole with Kyer Elam. He comes from a specific kind of defense in college. He played press man uh, predominantly, and they're asking him to, you know, be a completely different style of player. Now, to a degree, they did that with Tredavious White when they drafted him. He played a lot of – uh, man at LSU, and it wasn't a, a perfect uh, scheme fit either. But to me, this feels like an indictment on the coaching staff, a coaching staff that has kind of a track record with these kind of one-off situations. Like, you know, go back to Cody Ford, the way they handled him early in his career. All right, we're going to split time at right tackle. We don't believe in you enough to hand you the job. Uh, and this is back in 19 when – you know, this was early in Josh Allen's career. This wasn't a Super Bowl window, a Super Bowl contender. And they told Cody Ford with their decision that we don't believe in you. And then the next year, they, they, they throw him inside and try to play him at guard and it never really worked there either. It's like I almost wondered if they would learn from that kind of situation. And listen, is there culpability in this for Kyer Elam? We don't know the whole story. We, we don't have a full picture into how this thing has transpired. Sure, that, that, that's a very logical uh, part of this. But to, to get here halfway through his second season, a first-round draft pick that you traded up for, you can't even put him on the field? Uh, I don't know. It just, this just doesn't add up for me. And here's another part of it, Nate, that I struggle with personally. We're not talking about all pro-caliber guys in front of him. Like, Dane Jackson yeah. and Christian Benford have been really solid players, right? What's going to happen when you play elite offenses? When you need speed at those spots against the Tyreek Hills of the world, the A.J. Yep. Browns of the world, I get a, like wanting scheme-specific players, but you need traits too, and it's why they drafted Elam. The, to your point earlier, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense. And I think to me, Matt, the, the other part that I think is the most confusing, I, I love – bringing up Spencer Brown for this, right? How patient this team was, letting him struggle, and and really not going out and getting anybody to hedge their bet against it. They, they didn't go out and go get a, a right tackle that, you know, it'd be he, right? I mean, they, they, they go out and they go get a guy that started games, but, like, it's not like they went out and, and went and signed a guy that's got 70 starts or, you know, multiple years, a, a former Pro Bowl player. They basically said, we're rolling the dice on a guy that did not put a lot of good film on, um, you know, put, put a lot of good film together last year or really struggled um, after taking over for Darrell Williams. And and I and I guess I where I become most critical of this, Matt, is Sean McDermott's defensive coach, this is, and, and not only a defensive coach, 
he has a track record of maximizing players at the cornerback position. I think about Josh Norman. Josh Norman, who he was before he really took off in Sean McDermott's uh, defense, right? Became an all-pro player. Talked about one of the best corners in the league under Sean McDermott. And for him to... I mean, just not have really any patience whatsoever or, or in, in my opinion, anyways, interest in letting him learn and develop um, to me is even more confusing that this isn't a, a Kyle Shanahan. This isn't an offensive minded head coach. This is a defensive minded head coach who's developed corners, you know, and, and, and time and time again. And, and for them just to lack the patience, it, it to me screams there is something that that that's below the surface here that that I think either the media and fan base alike are, are just kind of missing. Yeah, I mean that's that's a piece of it that I think eventually when a trade happens, maybe we'll get a idea of what all went into this whole situation because we're Nate six or seven weeks removed, eight weeks removed from Brandon Bean saying it's just a numbers game, right? Like Tre'Davious White is back, they still believe in Kyrie Elam. There's a lot of confidence, and you have to have depth at that position. And to me, activating Norman and and literally putting Kyrie Elam again in this inactive situation. Like, I don't know how you come back from this. Like, I tweeted it. And you mentioned, like, the Spencer Brown deal and the confidence that they've had in him. They literally actively went out this offseason and brought in the – literally the, 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 the player that cleared the bar the least in Brandon Shell. Like, everybody was, was in my mentions right. when they signed him, and I was just lukewarm on the idea. I thought he was – basically as bad as Spencer Brown last year. If you look at some of the advanced numbers and, you know, he obviously retired and couldn't foresee that situation, but they literally actively went out there and tried to cushion this training camp and preseason and off season for Spencer Brown as much as they can, they could. And I just don't understand why there's been this complete opposite approach with Elam. Um, yeah. Yeah. We will probably won't get an answer until uh, on the other side of this. Matt Perino here of Syracuse.com. Bill's beat reporter joining me on the Wester Hotline talking a little Kyer Elam. Let's talk about and put a bow on that Bucks game, Matt. <clears throat> I think a, a much better performance overall by this defense. Obviously, it helps they play a Bucks team that cannot run <laughs> the football, you know, averaging less than uh, less than three yards a carry going into that game. We got to see, I think, a new wrinkle, Sean McDermott playing Jordan Poyer at the linebacker position in dime. Um, you know, what, what do you make of that defensive performance last week against the Buccaneers? Although uh, it got a little uh, stressful towards the end, I think overall the, uh, the, the sort of lot of that performance, uh, the Bills' uh, defense had a really nice bounce-back game from that, uh, that tough performance against the, uh, the Patriots. Yeah, I, I agree. It was definitely a bounce-back performance, and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but we're not talking about an elite offense with the Bucs. Yeah. And they have two good receivers, right. but that right. quarterback – it's funny. Baker Mayfield is still such a ride, isn't he? Like, it, there's moments yeah. where you see like these little glimpses of really good play, like good decision making, the, the 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 accuracy. The he's got the arm that. strength. Yep. Yeah, it, it was great. But then you see just these perplexing moments where he's kind of navigating the pocket. You see, okay, open guy over there, open guy over there. What are you doing? And so, like, I feel like this was the perfect matchup to get back right. Listen, Nate, there's still some issues here. Uh, I, I think like the Von Miller question is a valid one. Um, I think with the buy, uh, the mini buy, and then the legitimate buy, that they're hedging their bet that he is going to be the guy they need him to be yeah. in December. I'm holding, I'm holding out hope for Bills fans that that'll be the case, but it's not a guarantee. Um, interior, they are absolutely done if Ed Oliver does not play in a game. We saw how much yeah. he meant to them right. this last week. 
And so without that depth, I have real concerns. Now, at the linebacker position, I think Terrell Bernard, who hasn't been as good as he was early in the season with playing next to Milano, he's been solid. And I think he's going to only get better and more confident as the season goes along. I don't know that Tyrell Dotson is a long-term answer there. And then in the secondary, yeah, I think there's some really exciting things that they could do three safety with three safety looks that they've done. Uh, they haven't really experimented a lot during training camp. I thought that was something that they would do more of, and now they've almost been forced into it because of the injury. So, yes, definitely a bounce-back performance, but I still think, you know, against some of these really, really good offenses, it's, you know, Sean McDermott has his work cut out for him. Let's talk about the offense, um, and, and I do, you know, I want to preface this by saying it did feel like the Bills left some points on the board, scoring 24. In all game, it, it sort of just felt like we were waiting for them to blow the top off of, blow the lid off of that game because they were moving the football with ease. I thought the tempo <laughs> that they played with um, really put them back into at least, I think, a tempo that we looked at and said, okay, this feels more like the Bills' offense that we've sort of come to expect week in and week out, not the offense we've seen over the last three weeks prior. Um, but overall, your, your thoughts on the offense, some of the changes that we've seen, obviously a lot more 11 personnel with no Dawson Knox playing, uh, the, the emergence of Khalil Shakir, um, you know, Gabe Davis playing a more, I think, all-inclusive wide receiver role instead of just their deep shot guy. And obviously Dalton Kincaid, I think, really coming into his own. Overall, what did you think of the offensive performance and, and maybe how that looks um, you know, to, to scale the rest of the way here? Yeah, I think that there was a great adjustment from Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey to get the ball out of his hands a little bit quicker and you know, do some of that pre-snap stuff where you're diagnosing and you're adjusting and not just kind of – sometimes I think Josh Allen gets into this dangerous spot where – He's so good, and they've had so much success that I almost feel like he goes – like you ever get go, have a task back when you're in college, and you're like, yeah, I know this stuff, man. I'm sort of going there and wheel and deal, and I'll figure it out in the way. Like sometimes I feel like that's how Josh Allen plays at times. And I feel like they had a great plan this week. Um, Sean McDermott talked about them being a little bit more detailed. And then for, for Dorsey, like I think it's a great – tool to have to be able to kind of roll through all these different personnel packages like they do and like the, the personnel itself within those packages but I don't think like an NFL offense ha can have sustained success if they're playing like an NHL hockey team where it's like line change after line change yeah. after line change and you're like your eyelids are kind of like fluttering and, and you're trying to kind of like because I do that during the games I, I, I go through the personnel packages to try to figure out how much they're leaning into certain things and two weeks ago when they were playing uh, the Patriots, dude, I couldn't keep up. Like, I'm literally, I'm literally trying to get in my notebook with all the different numbers over and over. And then I, the first thing I noticed on this first drive, 11 personnel, Shakir, Diggs, Davis, Latavius Murray, which is a side conversation, and then uh -huh. Colin Kincaid. And it stayed that way through the whole first drive. And I feel like you saw some continuity build. You saw them kind of get comfortable in that set. And then you can kind of flip through some things after that. But um, I like the up-tempo. I think they have to lean into that a little bit more. And you don't have to do it for the full game. You don't even have to do it, you know, if you come out and do some up-tempo stuff at the start, you could settle into something if you score early or you get a lead and kind of go from that. But if that's uh, like a, uh, something that you're good at, lean into it. And he did. Let's talk about Latavius Murray, his usage, James Cook, his usage. I, I, if I'm being honest, I do think they miss a little bit of having the the third wheel of this running back group in, in Damon Harris. And we you know, haven't really gotten much update on uh, what it looks like when he's going to return from the neck injury, the scary neck injury that he sustained a couple of weeks ago. Um, overall, though, uh, you know, I've been a little puzzled at times with the usage. And, and listen, you know, Latavius Murray is 33 years old. 
still has some juice left. Uh, I, I think he's played well um, for the most part, but you know some of the situations they're putting Murray in. You know the the offensive pass interference last week. Uh, just not a, he shouldn't be asked to be in that position um, to be out there. He is not that is not the type of player he's ever been, much less what he is at the age of 33. And uh, you know, frankly, Matt, I want to see more James Cook. This is the most dynamic running back they have on the roster. He's very good. He's taken the step. I'd like to see him even get more involved in the red zone more. Um, I think he showed that against the Patriots as, as a real pass-catching option in the red zone when things sort of break down. Um, I, I haven't loved the rotation that I've seen really kind of dating back for the last three or four weeks now. No, I don't like it either. And that's coming from somebody that's probably higher on Latavius Murray than most. I mean, I like what he offers you in terms of depth, like the ability to come into the game and add a change of pace. But, like, I feel like they're, they're kind of messing around with something they don't want to mess around with. Like, uh, Sean McDermott was asked after the game about James Cook being a bit animated on the sideline at one point, and he actually answered and said he wants to play. And it's like, well, yeah, no duh. Your second-round <laughs> draft pick in his second year who went on a media tour before the start of the season saying he's RB1, you've literally put in the doghouse not even halfway into the season. And for what? Like, he's had some really – to be honest with you, Nate – in the first two months, hasn't he had some of the best games you can remember the last couple of years from a Bills running back? And they responded to that, I think, after one subpar game by, like, you know, putting him in timeout. And I just don't know if in this era of football, if that is going to yield the results you want. And maybe it will, because he has looked pretty good over the last couple of weeks, um, even still. And maybe they think they're motivating him. But I don't know. At times, I just, I almost feel like they're just two in their own heads with how to, like, operate and I just can't see a guy like you know Andy Reid and and correct me if I'm wrong if you can remember an example in the Chiefs run where he's taken a starting player and kind of put him in timeout I almost thought at one point they were they needed to put Clyde Edwards in timeout at one point and they still didn't and they just kind of let him kind of ride it out so I don't know sometimes I just wonder if you know this coaching staff you know micro and it's funny because Sean McDermott said last week he doesn't like to micromanage his coaches but sometimes it feels like they micromanage the players a little bit. Matt Perino, Syracuse.com, Bills Beat Reporter, joining me on the Western Highline. Before I let you go, Matt, <clears throat> you know, I think a lot has been made, um, especially just through some of the struggles for this Bills offense, right? Like, and maybe I want to stop short of saying struggles, right? Like, it just has looked very hard. And this is not the first time. This is dating back to last year at times where <laughs> this offense goes through stretches where – they don't look like themselves. They're searching for an identity. You mentioned some of the personnel usage um, that Ken Dorsey uses, and I almost think sometimes they go too much. They do too much changing, and it, it sometimes feels like the lineup can't get into a rhythm because they're constantly changing personnel uh, groupings. I think that they're going to be a little bit more handcuffed now with no Dawson Knox. are going to have to run a lot more 11 personnel. Quentin Morris expected to be back here in the next week or so with an ankle injury. But, like, all in all, Maybe what do you point to the most as why this offense just finds these stretches of of sustained level of football where it's not that they just don't look like themselves. It looks like they're searching for an identity. And and I think when you're in year two of an offensive coordinator, you're year six with your franchise quarterback, I I don't think you want to be able to or say you want to accept these long stretches where they're looking for or trying to find an identity. This, This isn't really the time for that. Like, you're supposed to be doing that in the spring and in the summer. And by the time you get to the season, you're supposed to have an identity. The problem for the Bills is they thought their identity was going to be 12 personnel, 
They ran through it while Dawson Knox was healthy, and it never really reached a level of sustained comfort for this offense, whether it be Josh Allen, whether it be the, the tight ends. Like, honestly, Nate, in the passing game with these two tight ends, I never felt like they had both of them operating comfortably all the time, right? Like, you go back to the Carolina days, uh, you know, Brandon Bean has mentioned, you know, Jeremy Shockey and Greg Olson early in their careers. Well, they were – when they really instituted that, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't they just both a little bit more veteran players? Like you're trying to bring uh, a guy like Dalton Kincaid along with an established player in Dawson Knox, who's already had kind of like this weird, strange role in this offense, like where he's he 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 ping pongs between being the second option in the game to sometimes the third, sometimes the fourth, and now they're they're bringing in Kincaid, and through the first two months. It's like he's been in that same role. Like, you never know what kind of usage he's going to get in the game. And, and so now I think what we're looking at now is they have to lean into 11. They have to lean into Dalton Kincaid being on the field. The interesting thing for me is what do they do when, when Knox, if Knox comes back? Do they try to pivot back into 12 personnel that wasn't really ever working con- consistently when he was here, especially if the offense kind of gets unlocked with Kincaid as tight end number one? I don't know. This is a really interesting question. I don't know. You know, they, they're paying Dawson Knox a lot of money. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of cachet in that locker room. Mm-hmm. He's obviously good buddies with Josh Allen. It's a serious question they're going to have to answer if, Knox, uh, if and when Knox gets back. I think it can be really interesting if this offense starts to sort of take off and find its identity back in 11 personnel. Um, because I think a big part of their success yesterday, or I'm sorry, on Thursday, was because of Dalton Kincaid. And finally, it feels like Josh Allen's starting to trust him in some of these situations. He's got the best hands outside of Stephon Diggs on this team, and getting him the ball, not necessarily just an open space, but getting him the ball when they can, I think has to continue to be a priority for them. And, and I think for me, Matt, I, I don't want to predict that we're going to be coming up on some awkward situations here or some difficult decisions. Um, but if you're paying $14 million to a tight end who is your number two tight end, which I think was going to be the thing all along here anyways, um, there's going to be some difficult conversations in this building. Yeah, and it, and it doesn't get any easier because of what the personnel looks like in other position rooms. I yeah. mean, you have a guy you're paying $5 million this year that I thought was going to be the third wide receiver that at times has been the fifth wide receiver. Yep. And now you have a kid in Khalil Shakir who you had on the roster already. Like, sometimes uh-huh. I wonder if um, I, I get Brandon Bean adding competition and wanting multiple um, options at, at, at spots. But, you know, Deontay Hardy, I still don't get the vision for what he could be because yep. when he's been targeted this season, I thought he's been electric. Like, he's got Me some too. run after the catch. You know, he can win down the field. He's got, like, all three dimensions – of a, that a wide receiver needs to have in his game. He has speed. He can win long. He's got separation ability. He's got run after the catch. That's something that, to me, that I think you'd want to lean on. Uh, but they haven't figured out a way. And sometimes, to your point that you made earlier, and sorry about the rooster in the background, I'm at Kelkenberg Farm. It's family day here. And uh, <laughs> that rooster is just like, he doesn't want to wait until I'm off this hit um, to just get going. <laughs> I, I think Dorsey um, just has to, you know, he's got a lot of like wheels that he's got to, a lot of pins on the wheel that he's spinning as part of their offensive scheme. And sometimes you just wonder, like, I think your players are saying it. Gabe Davis said it last week. Less is more. Let's be simple. Yeah. Let's lean into what we're good at. And if you're constantly just workshopping all these different ideas as part of your offense, do you have any good ones? That's right. Matt, I appreciate you, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your weekend with the fam. And uh, appreciate you, as always, for stopping on. 
No problem. Rooster says goodbye, too. Later, guys. <laughs> Sounds good. Matt Farino there of Syracuse.com on the West Her Hotline. I'm Nate Geary. I'm live from Batavia Downs at the Legends and Stars Sports Expo. It is 12.50 and on stage right now, heading off here shortly, former Bill fullback Larry Centers and uh, Fred Lynn and John LeClaire. They're going to enter the stage here in just a few moments. There's a photo booth to my left. Not only can you get autographs, but you can also get a photo with these guys as well. So uh, we'll continue on next here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. All right, welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday Live here from Batavia Downs. I'm Nate Geary. We're at the Legends and Stars Sports Expo, and we'll be here till 5 o'clock. I won't be here till 5 o'clock, but uh, the uh, show floor here uh, where there are private vendors from, as Ryan mentioned, you know, from Pokemon to uh, baseball, basketball, football, uh, you name it, cards, memorabilia. I saw a lot of people... Uh, coming up with uh, some some bats and some signed photos. There are folks here that can do framing for you. If you want to bring a photo or buy something, you can get it framed here. We've also got people that can authenticate your signatures and signs as well. So not only can you uh, come get a signature from one of your favorite athletes, and right now on stage in the 1 o'clock hour, we'll have John LeClaire and Vladimir Guerrero Sr., uh, coming up on stage here shortly, then some Buffalo football players at 1.32 and 2.30. Cornelius Bennett will be on stage 1.30 to 2.30. Shane Conlin at 2.30 to 3.30. He'll be joined with his former teammate Daryl Talley as well from 2.30 to 3.30. And then the afternoon uh, wraps up with Mike Richter, former uh, New York Ranger great. Uh, the goalie will be here from 3 to 4 o'clock. And then, um, again, the, um, the show floor is open until 5 o'clock. It is... Uh, free for kids 12 and over. I'm sorry, 12 and under. And uh, adults, it's the uh, tickets cost $10, and it also includes $10 of free play uh, on the casino floor as well. Uh, I'm going to take a timeout because we're running a little behind on breaks here. Uh, we'll come back. We'll finish up talking about uh, you know the Kyrie Elam situation. Talk a little bit about this Bengals matchup as well. Uh, the Bills will face off on Sunday night football next week against the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, they're off their bye week this week, uh, so we'll get to see them on Sunday. A nice Sunday afternoon where you get to watch everyone else uh, and not have to worry about uh, the Bills this Sunday should be nice. A nice little mini bye week uh, for the Bills as they head to Cincinnati next Sunday night. I'm Nate Geary. I'm here live at the Legends and Stars Sports Expo. And uh, as I mentioned, a lot of great athletes, former athletes uh, on stage. This goes till 5 o'clock today. I'll be here till about 2 o'clock as well. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR.